opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the hosts and represent no other individual organisation or entity. Those of you who listened last week to us on Adam and Roger Break the News will know that the music that you just heard coming into this was the latest song by the Beatles. Have you heard it yet, Adam? Uh, the Beatles, uh, I'm not sure if I have at the moment, at the time of recording, I don't think I have, to be honest, no. I think it's dead boring, but I did tell the listeners that I'd put it on the podcast when we got the chance, so there it is, you've just heard it. Yeah, we are recording it at a different time. It feels almost like Christmas recording it through the day, because I remember last year at Christmas we recorded them through the day, I think, at different times, and that's what we appear to be doing now, so... We're recording um, on the 3rd of the 11th, 2023, and um, it is bonfire night tomorrow, which is the reason why we're recording it. Well, it's bonfire night on Sunday. Is it Sunday? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, of course, it's Sunday, yeah. But obviously, yeah, the Friday and Saturday night are going to be, there's going to be more fireworks Friday and Saturday night than on Sunday night, isn't there? I predict so, yes. I'm having my own family firework do tomorrow night on the 4th because we don't want to be out on Sunday night with school the next day. I just hope everyone has a safe and peaceful bonfire night and enjoys themselves, especially here in Bradford. Last year, Bradford had a very successful bonfire night compared Um, to past ones. It's one of those kind of couple of week periods where we have a lot of minor celebrations don't we like halloween my kids enjoy trick-or-treating we've got bonfire night by the time this goes out and next week of course it's remembrance sunday yes there's a lot happening um all in one go really but because we're recording on a friday i don't really know what my type pack run time is going to be yet i think we're even discussing whether to go to list of our roberts park tomorrow Just a quick insert to let everyone know that our friend Adam completed his park run at Roberts Park in Saltaire in 19 minutes and 36 seconds. He came in 20th place, which is a very good time. As usual, Adam was very modest about it and said it's his overall personal best, but it is a slightly shorter course and he thinks he could have done better if he'd have got a bit more sleep, felt less tired while running and if the ground hadn't been so soggy. But overall, he's very pleased. He's noticed that most of his park runs now seem to be less than 20 minutes. Well done, Adam. Um, How's your week been anyway, Rogers? I think you said it's been good, hasn't it? Because you've had a a week off, haven't you? It's been a quieter week off than I expected. I started off the week by taking my daughter to a place in Leeds called the Arcade Club, and... It was fantastic. It cost us just over £20 to go in and they had hundreds, I mean hundreds of arcade machines that you could all play for free. They had pinball machines, air hockey, they had virtual reality on the top floor so my daughter played with that. They even had them machines, you know, that you sit in and they move around, you know, as, as you're in them like rides. So me and her spent about four hours there and had a wonderful night, very happy. I was looking forward to spending a few days relaxing at home, but my youngest daughter has got chicken pox. So I've got to stay in with her and make sure she's all right. Fortunately, it's a very mild case. It's the second time she's had it. So she's unlucky, but she's a usual self. So I reckon by Monday she'll be back at school. 
And how are you, Adam? I know you're job hunting. I am. I've attended an interview again this week, although I got a rejection from one last week. But yeah, I've had rejections from other applications as well. Uh, don't seem to really be getting anywhere. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens with this. I think I might be best not mentioning about my disability because I think that might be impacting the whether I get a job or not. That would be a big shame if you had to hide things from... Um, well, it's looking that way because uh, employers do not seem to be happy when I mention it. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that. Shame on those employers because... Um, I've worked with you on this podcast and other radio projects for years and years, Adam, and I know what a hard, conscientious worker and a brilliant guy you are, so shame on them. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's no good if I'm without a job. It's not Adam and Roger break the lives, it's Adam and Roger break the news. So if you've got a news story that you want to break, you can email us at breakthenewspod at gmail.com. Do it. That's how we build up this podcast. I would really like to get some more listener involvement. We need more listeners, to be honest. So I'm going to try and shout about this podcast from the rooftops for the next week or two in the build-up to Christmas and our Christmas specials. Because, yeah, it'd be nice to build this up. We've done 130 episodes now, so it's about time. Otherwise, it's just more Adam and Roger discuss the news rather than Adam and Roger break the news. Yeah, we've got to have some people to break it too. And this week, there has been no shortage of news. So it was quite hard to just pick three articles each. But I'm sure we'll touch on lots of other things as we go along. And um, we've got a right mixed bag of stuff. And you can go first if you like, Adam. A British government aid has been fired for calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. The government said his comments were not consistent with its policy of supporting humanitarian pauses, but not a full ceasefire. The aide, who is a Conservative MP, said he disagreed with the government's policy and would now be able to speak openly about the issue. The firing of the aide comes as there is growing pressure on the UK government to support a ceasefire, a number of opposition MPs, as well as some lab, senior Labour figures, have backed calls for a ceasefire. However, the Labour leader, Keir Starmer, has so far only backed humanitarian pauses. The difference between a ceasefire and a humanitarian pause is that a ceasefire is a formal agreement to end all hostilities while a humanitarian pause is a temporary suspension of hostilities to allow the delivery of humanitarian aid. In a separate development, a Labour MP has been suspended for making deeply offensive comments at a pro-Palestinian rally. What do you make to this, Roger? I think it's a bit silly, to be honest, because even if the protesters got their way and all of our leaders came on telly tomorrow and said from the river to the sea palestine will be free we want a ceasefire what difference would it make would it create a ceasefire no it wouldn't we have got two sides here who want to destroy each other and will not stop until that aim is completed ceasefires have been attempted in the past none of them have held if Israel stopped doing these revenge attacks, then uh, Hamas would just probably keep attacking as and when they've got the military capability to do it, though, wouldn't they? Because, like I say, when 
ever there's been a ceasefire in the past, they've never held anywhere. So what's the point of them? I sort of understand the leader's current policy at the moment to not call for a ceasefire, but I do support peace. I do want this conflict to stop, but I'm also a realist. It's not going to. No, it's not. It's definitely not going to stop, unfortunately. There are big protests here every Saturday in the UK, as it seems, and, yeah, likely going to be a very big one planned on Remembrance Day because Remembrance Day this year falls on a Saturday, unfortunately. And I tell you, I'm not going to be foolish enough to pick a side on this because it's incredibly divisive and I think there's wrong on both sides. I can understand your reasons for not picking a team on this because the country is literally divided, isn't it, on this issue? It feels like that if you watch the news. The news this week has been full of division and outrage and speculation over poppies and Christmas adverts and unkind, intimidating behaviour at protests. And I've even got one from our City of Culture in a, in a minute or two. And yeah. It's just silly. That's the only way I could think of summing it up. Yeah, and what did you make about what... Uh upcoming prime minister is going to do he he decided to wear a poppy for one audience but then he ditched the poppy for another audience in two separate speeches i would love to hear his explanation for that so would i because i i don't think it is very defendable is it because it looks like it's more of a political point uh, because um he's targeting two different audiences so that he can get them both on sides and get himself elected and Keir Starmer will win the next election, but I doubt he's going to do it with my vote. He's he's just not a strong enough leader for me. I'm going to be honest here. I think all the leaders here seem to be all for themselves rather than actually running the country, and that's a sad state, really, isn't it? To be honest, I want a leader who's actually not afraid to annoy a few people because all of the great leaders that I've worked with in my life I know I've had to make decisions that were sometimes unpopular and often didn't please everybody, but they were there for the best. There are other parties down the line as well. There's uh, the Lib Dems, there's the uh, Reform, and there's also the Green Party. The Green Party are just useless anyway. They're even starting a council by-election today. They actually lost shares of the votes. So I'm not sure how the Green Party is going to play out, but yeah, I don't think they're a good party anyway. Going back to Kia Starmer, an example is the two council leaders who you shared with me who have asked him to leave or something because... Yeah, I've asked him to resign. They asked him to resign because um, for not calling for a ceasefire. If Starmer was a strong leader, he'd say, if you don't agree with the way that I'm leading, off your pop, you're not MPs in my party anymore. Bye-bye. I think one Labour councillor, as I heard on... GB News, I got an alert from them on the phone that one council, Labour councillor has resigned over this and I think loads of other ones have threatened resignations over this. And to me, it just seems that rather than actually focusing on local issues, they're actually focusing on national and international issues. Council is actually supposed to be focusing on local issues. So when I'm talking about local issues... I'm actually talking about making sure the streets are clean, making sure the streets are safe, making sure that there's no community tensions. And to be honest with you, I think they're probably inflaming 
community tensions more than anything. Well, a perfect example is my tale from the City of Culture this week, where yeah. local restaurants have been attacked. According to the Telegraph and Argus, police are continuing to investigate incidents of criminal damage at McDonald's and Starbucks in Keefley. Officers were called to three incidents in a 24-hour period earlier this week, two at the fast food restaurant on Hardings Road and one at the coffee shop on Bingley Street. A man in his 20s was arrested in relation to one of the incidents and today a police spokesperson confirmed that inquiries are ongoing. In the wake of reports of the incidents, police deployed enhanced high-visibility patrols across the Bradford district. It is understood the attacks were part of a pro-Palestine protest. McDonald's said it is deeply concerned about the disinformation about their position on the conflict in the Middle East. A spokesman for McDonald's said... McDonald's Corporation is not funding or supporting any governments involved in this conflict and any actions from our local developmental licensee business partners were made independently without McDonald's consent or approval. Our hearts are with all the communities and families impacted by this crisis. We abhor violence of any kind and firmly stand against hate speech and we will always proudly open our doors to everyone. Chief Inspector Paul Wood of Bradford Police said... These incidents are understandably distressing to those locally. Enhanced high-visibility patrols are being deployed in the Keefley and wider Bradford area to provide reassurance to the community. Have you noticed these patrols, Adam? Do you feel reassured? No, it's a national issue. It's all over the country and it's not just in Bradford. These are actually in Keefley, which actually does come under a Bradford postcode, so it's not our side of Bradford, so... Hence probably why I haven't seen these increased patrols. But I do think it's rather concerning. Like, for example, in Birmingham, mice were brought into a McDonald's restaurant, having all the windows vandalised and stuff. It's going to cost these companies a fortune. Let me ask you a question, Adam. Would you want to attend a memorial service or a large public event in a city centre in the next few weekends? Well, I don't think it's safe, is it? And I agree with you, and that is such a shame. Yes, because obviously you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, if it's a large event and there's lots of other people there, you're not going to be a specific target, but, I mean, you could just end up being one of the victims if there were a massive attack. It is worrying. I've seen on Twitter recently uh, there's been some trends, uh, such as is London uh, failing and stuff like that. So people are really worried about London. Or was it, is London falling? Or has London fallen? There's loads of different uh, ones that have been trending. People are clearly very worried about our capital at the moment because that's where a lot of the protests seem to be happening, unfortunately. And I believe they even stopped one of the main railway stations. They caused it to lock down briefly. I wonder if it borders on a mild form of terrorism when so many people are scared when you can't just sit in a mcdonald's and have a meal with your family without worry of some kind of attack imagine being in one of those restaurants when mice were released or when the windows were smashed in with hammers i've actually been to that mcdonald's in keyfley as well when i've been younger as well so you were happened to be there at the wrong time. How scary is that? Horrible. It's a horrible, intimidating thing to be doing, and the people doing it are just thugs, and they let their cause down. It is worrying, and I hope things do de-escalate, but until things de-escalate internationally, I don't see things in- 
that de-escalate in here, uh, to be honest. It seems to be repeat on week on week that there seems to be a massive protest every Saturday in London. I don't understand what the protesters even want. Do they know what they want? Because if they do want the government to declare a ceasefire, that won't do any good. I think maybe what they want is for the government to come out and support Palestine or Hamas or the other side. But that's not going to happen either. Even if it did happen, they'd be supporting a terrorist organisation if they supported Hamas. I I don't uh, see how they want to achieve peace. I just don't see how anyone can pick a side. If you feel strongly about this and want to persuade me or Adam otherwise, please, we'd love to hear your point of view. Breakthenewspod at gmail.com that may actually cause us to receive a few emails. Yeah, please do send us an email and let us know your point of view. Absolutely, because I'm keen to try and understand every side of this and be educated on it as much as possible. I think a lot of people actually don't even realise that this conflict has been going on for decades. Well, actually, hundreds of years. And I haven't been alive all that time, so I haven't actually seen that conflict going on that long. I've only seen recent conflicts. But even on this podcast, one or two years ago, we reported on Israel and Gaza having a conflict, but then it resulted in a ceasefire and everyone forgot about it again. Yeah, and it wasn't to the same degree, was it? No, but maybe that's what will happen with this again. There will be a ceasefire at some point or a, or a humanitarian pause. Things will die down. Everyone will forget about it for a few months and then it'll all just kick off again. But how do you think things are going to pan out in this country? Because there seems to be a lot of anger from these protesters. So how, how, do, we, how do we calm these protests down? A strong police force and reasonable debate, discussion and thinking. But a, st- a strong police force, if they started arresting the protesters, then they'd end up rioting. Even if they did have a strong police force, the police force would still be outnumbered by the protesters. Then the police need to find ways to control them riots. Yeah, they might have to be a bit tough, but that's probably the only way that they can be stopped. But even so, it might stoke division between the communities, and and that's not going to bring any sort of calm either, is it? So... Yeah, I don't really know how we can go forward with this. I think at the moment the police are being far too tolerant and it's making a lot of people angry. Take, for example, what happened in Manchester where the police were taking down leaflets of people missing in Israel and people got very annoyed about it. So the Manchester police force went out a few days later and said, Sorry and it's all meant to be forgotten about. And that's fine, and that's reasonable, but eventually people will decide, no, enough is enough, and there will be more conflicts with the police. If you get everyone going against the police, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. But I think the police have been biased as well. I don't know if you've seen this, but they actually arrested someone that were criticising all the Palestine flags, etc. Nigel Farage covered this story. And he couldn't cover any more of it other than that it's been released on bail. So the police seem to be taking sides because I think they're worried about people that criticise Palestine, etc. in a certain way. 
that they might end up stoking uh, community tensions and potentially riots. Because, yeah, all he did was film the video of some stuff on Twitter and he got himself arrested. And Nigel Farage was very angry about this. And I noticed at the start of this week, Suella Braverman came out very brave and assertive, saying, because Suella always says, these are hate marches, these are not peaceful protests, this needs to be stopped. And since then, silent. Not a word from her. She's in fear under her desk. I guess it all just depends on when her speech is there, so I'm not sure whether it necessarily is silence but yeah she might have received a lot of criticism over that she's saying one thing but then the police are doing the total opposite thing aren't they then she needs to be a stronger leader as well and get them under control but she won't because suella doesn't do anything well i don't know because i haven't i haven't seen all the stuff that she's doing in the department because she doesn't Um, do anything i'm not sure if that is the case i think she tries to do things but maybe she's too scared to do things perhaps that's a shame if we have such wimpy leaders and uh, sadly I think we're going to be stuck with them even when Labour come into power. Possibly even worse. Um, We've seen how divided the Labour Party is at the moment. It is terrible. I can't see the Labour Party getting on and there might be very, very big cultural divisions within the Labour Party by the sounds of it. Possibly even more division than in the Conservative Party from what we've seen in recent weeks. I am hoping and feeling that reason will prevail, people will be peaceful. Yes, there will be idiots who do these vandalistic acts, but eventually the vast, vast, vast majority of people who are reasonable and peaceful will win. Well, I hope you're right. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case, but fingers crossed you are right. We're not here just to talk about Israel and Palestine. We are going to enter COVID corner again. Yeah, a long time coming switch back into COVID corner because we were always promised a big COVID inquiry and the COVID inquiry is taking place right now. And maybe because I've had a week off work, uh, I've had a good chance to listen to some of it, particularly the evidence given this week. And during the recent COVID inquiry, evidence from Boris Johnson's advisers, Dominic Cummings and Lee Kane, highlighted some key points. Um, One of them was concerns regarding Boris's approach to older people and COVID. Notes from Sir Patrick Vallance revealed Johnson's focus on older people accepting their fate due to COVID. And that's a sentiment that wasn't entirely disagreed with by Johnson. A lack of shielding plans and neglect of vulnerable groups. Cummings emphasised the absence of a shielding plan before the first lockdown and criticised the neglect of vulnerable groups in the planning system. There was criticism of government handling and decision making. Both Cummings and Kane criticised the government's management of the pandemic, citing a lack of coordination, indecision and challenges in the decision making process. There were challenges in decision making and a lack of diversity. Kane pointed out the lack of diversity within the team, leading to problems in decision making. And Cummings apologised for strong language in his messages, but denied contributing to a toxic atmosphere. I quite enjoyed watching that segment of the inquiry where Cummings was asked, Did you treat individuals in Downing Street with offence and misogyny, Mr Cummings? Certainly not. Could we have 283369, please, an extract from Mr Johnson's Fight Back WhatsApp group at 12.20? If I have to come back to Helen's bullshit, designed to waste huge amounts of my time so I can't spend it on other stuff, I'll personally handcuff her 
and escort her from the building. I don't care how it's done, but that woman must be out of our hair. We cannot keep dealing with this horrific meltdown of the British state while dodging stilettos from that The look on Cummings' face was, oh, a treat. And the last thing that was brought up was borders testing and the Barnard Castle trip, where Cummings advocated for border closure and a robust test and trace system over a national lockdown and defended his controversial trip to Barnard Castle. Additionally, former Health Secretary Matt Hancock's approach was discussed. Apparently, Hancock wanted the authority to decide who should live and die if the NHS faced overwhelming situations. That's from Sir Simon Stevens, the former NHS England chief. He emphasised the need for professionals in consultations with patients to make such critical decisions. And Stevens also rejected Boris Johnson's assertion that lockdown was due to NHS and social care's failure to tackle delayed discharges, highlighting that even if beds were freed up, the scale of the pandemic would have overwhelmed the healthcare system. The statement indicates a disagreement on the reasoning behind the decision for the first wave of lockdown. What do you think, Adam? I think there's a lot of surprising stuff that has come out of this uh, COVID inquiry, like what they've said about uh, the old people, and people probably shocked by some of the stuff that has come out about uh, this COVID inquiry. But like I say, I'm not too concerned about the COVID inquiry anymore because... COVID has been and gone. Boris is no longer our Prime Minister, but there are still it's still the Conservatives running the country, so I guess it does need to happen. But do you think COVID's been taken a little bit too seriously? Do you think we need to really focus on COVID much? Because there's deaths with every virus anyway, isn't there? Yep, but we do need to focus on this because that's how we learn lessons to cope better when there are more crises in the future and having a toxic environment where ministers are calling each other and pigs is not how we expect our leaders to behave having parties when everyone else is expected to follow the rules is not how our leaders should behave not communicating basic science to each other and hiding information from each other is not how leaders should behave I'm looking forward to seeing Matt Hancock leave that inquiry in handcuffs because that's what I think should happen to that man. I want the people who failed us during that time held to account and I want lessons learned from it. Yeah, and do you think I'm a celebrity should have allowed Matt Hancock on? I don't want Matt Hancock on the same island that I'm on, let alone my telly screen. Fair enough. I know he's made some mistakes. I mean, at the start, he seemed to come out very professionally, but then it came out as to what went, what were going on behind the scenes with him, didn't it? And as time went on, it became very clear that there were a lot of corruption inside Matt Hancock, weren't there? The man's a maggot, a dishonest, lying piece of filth. He's no longer health secretary now, and he's just a backbencher, isn't he, from what I understand? And hopefully he'll lose his position in the upcoming elections as well. Good riddance. In the next general election, which is probably only about a year away, maybe less than a year. Oh, I cannot wait. Although I'm, I shouldn't look forward to a Labour government either. Uh, I always enjoy elections, but like I say, um, I know it's not going to be the side that I want to win. I would want the Conservatives to win again, but um, that's just uh, me. I'm not sure which side you would prefer, Um because it's going to be Conservatives and Labour, let's be honest, isn't it? Yep, 
And I am looking forward to looking into it and covering it with you, Adam. I'm looking forward to the elections just because I enjoy elections, but I'm not looking forward to the Labour Labour government. I know I've been more optimistic on the Conservatives than you. We'll just have to see how, how big Labour's gains actually are. Well, all of this division over Gaza and the COVID inquiry have been going on, what has our esteemed leader been up to this week? Well, he's been chilling out with his mates in London, chilling out with his rich mates. Elon Musk and UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak recently discussed the future of artificial intelligence, AI, during a summit in London. Musk, who has watched every single Terminator movie, predicted that AI would make paid work obsolete and expressed concerns about humanoid robots. Sunak acknowledged people's anxieties about job displacement due to AI and highlighted the need for oversight in this rapidly advancing technology. While they discussed the potential benefits of AI for education and learning, Musk warned that AI could render many traditional jobs unnecessary, emphasising the importance of finding meaning in a world where AI handles most tasks. The conversation, although lacking in new regulatory announcements, showcased their differing perspectives on AI's impact in society. Despite Musk's initial criticism of the summit, the discussion between the two figures was amicable, leading open the question of who holds more influence in shaping the future of AI. What do you think, Adam? Uh, I found it very interesting. Um, Both Elon Musk and the Prime Minister, Rich Sunak, both disagreed. Uh, Elon Musk uh, wants them to go forward with a lot more AI and he's happy for it to cut jobs, but Prime Minister Richard Sunak didn't seem to particularly agree, did he? So even AI is probably going to divide people because Elon Musk even mentioned about it, people being able to be on not basic universal income, but actually be on high universal income uh, with AI because obviously it's going to cut jobs and people and uh, are not going to be needed as workers in some industries do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing it's a thing and i think this summit is a huge waste of time for a couple of reasons first of all everyone's a bit ahead of themselves what we are dealing with right now is extremely clever computers some amazing stuff that computers can do now it is almost like the machines have minds of their own, but they don't. So we are not dealing with artificial intelligence yet. And I think we're quite a long way from proper artificial intelligence. That said, I think it is good to look into the dangers of it. But any idiot can say, it's going to take over the world. It's going to destroy all of our jobs. It's going to kill us all. People knew about that danger in the 60s, 70s, 80s. That's why we've got the Terminator movies. Yeah, and it's not actually happened, does it? All that's happened, this has just been a few, maybe a few jobs cut, but not that many. And it's been very slow to develop. It's been developing bit by bit. But I think Elon Musk wants to fast track AI, doesn't he? Well, he wants to do it, but he doesn't want anyone else to do it. He, he wants them. He wants businesses to have tax incentives specifically for using AI, so he he wants to kind of like fast track and promote AI. Another big mistake that both of men are making is the idea of regulating this. Regulation is not going to happen. There are other countries, other organisations, 
even a few smart students in a basement will be coming up with the latest advancements in AI. Look at Web 2.0 and social media. That came from university students who pushed the boundaries. They didn't care about any regulation. No regulation existed. So any attempt at regulation will either be ignored or it's too late. But I think one of the big things that they're worrying about is whether when AI gets to potentially a point where it can create its own machinery and create and create robots itself, I think they're worried that they may not be able to potentially stop it from doing things without permission. And they're also worried about terrorists potentially getting hold of it. So they are worried about a few threats from AI, but I don't think it's that clever enough for, for those things to happen yet, is it? No, and I think they've got more pressing issues to be worried about at the moment. So move on and deal with something more important, lads, eh? One thing that does need dealing with is the NHS waiting lists. So patients in England waiting over for 40 weeks for treatment will be given the option to receive care in another region with NHS England proactively contacting roughly 400,000 individuals to assess their willingness to travel and the extent of their travel capabilities. This initiative aims to alleviate system bottlenecks by engaging those with the lengthiest wait times only patients without appointments scheduled within the next eight weeks will receive this offer via text, email or letter, which constitutes around 5% of those on the waiting list. The choice of treatment location can be either an NHS or private sector hospital with financial support available for low income patients patients will maintain their position on the local hospitals waiting list with exploring alternative options amanda pritchard nhs england's chief executive supports this approach to reduce backlogs by making the best use of available capacity across the country Waiting times for treatment can vary significantly, with some hospitals performing common or for paediatric procedures like hip and knee operations up to three times more swiftly than others. Health Secretary Steve Barclay endorsed the initiative as a means to address waiting lists and enhance uh, access to care. Louise and Sarah from Healthwatch England welcomed the move but stressed the need for additional financial support to ensure equitable access. Saffron Cardere, Deputy Chief Executive of NHS Providers, emphasised that patient choice is only part of the solution, underscoring the broader issue of work fast shortages and underinvestment in the NHS contributed to long waiting times. What do you think about this, Roger? Sounds like a pretty good idea to me. More patient choice, as long as it doesn't slow things down for people who want a local treatment, then fair enough. 
But this sounds like a brilliant idea because some hospitals may have more staff which deal with a specific area than others. So basically, you're just moving places with high demand and low supply to places with low demand and high supply. So you're basically moving people around to fix the bottlenecks. And that could actually be a good idea to reduce the waiting lists. I actually support this. Me too. It makes the healthcare that you receive a bit less of a postcode lottery. That could only be a good thing, I hope. Yep, I agree. I can't see it being a bad thing because if you've got more staff specialised in an area at one hospital but less in another and there's a massive waiting list and wait times in another, then all you have to do is move the people to another one as long as they've got permission, as long as someone will happily do it, which I'm sure if they're waiting a long time, I'm sure some people will be more than happy to speed uh, the time up so that they get off the waiting list quicker and they get treatment quicker. I'm sure people will be willing to take up the offer. So, yeah, I think it's a good idea. We've also got some other domestic issues like interest rates. So the Bank of England has warned that the UK economy is likely to see zero growth until 2025, while interest rates remain high or rise further. This means that the Prime Minister's pledge to get the UK growing by the end of the year is likely to be missed. The bank expects inflation to fall sharply in the coming months, but it will remain above its 2% target throughout next year. The bank is not predicting a recession, but it does expect the economy to slow significantly. Chancellor Jeremy Hunt has promised measures to boost economic growth in the autumn statement later this month. However, Labour and the Liberal Democrats have criticised the government's economic record, saying that it has left working people worse off. Mortgage rates have shot up as the Bank of England has put up interest rates. This has affected first-time buyers, people remortgaging, and those on variable and tracker deals. Economists warn that there is more pain to come from the rate increases we've already seen. This is because monetary policy transmits through the economy with a lag, so the full impact of the rate hikes we've seen so far is yet to be felt. In summary, the UK economy is facing a difficult period ahead with low growth and high interest rates. The government is facing pressure to take action to boost economic growth, but it is unclear whether the measures it announces in the autumn statement will be sufficient. What did you make of this uh, interest rates stamps? flat for a month do you think they've reached the peak or do you think they're going to go up a bit further or do you think they're just going to stay where they are now well the bank of england certainly doesn't seem to think that they've peaked it's the first glimmer of hope that we've had and we'll find out in the upcoming months if it's a true glimmer or not this week inflation's been falling sharply in the continent i would be absolutely flabbergasted if at any point in the next six months interest rates ever went down let me put it that way yeah because they've still got to try and get inflation back to that two percent haven't they and it's still well above that even if inflation does fall significantly 
like it has in the Eurozone. Because in the Eurozone, in the past month, it's gone from 4.3% to 2.9%. That's quite a big drop. Just a year ago, it was 10.1%. So it's fallen an awful long way in the Eurozone. It hasn't fallen quite as fast in the UK, but I do expect it to drop quite a lot in the next month, I reckon, because of the base rates. So in the the same month last year, it rose by 2%. I don't think we're going to see that rise of 2% this year. So I, I do see that inflation is going to fall sharply this month. But yeah, I don't think it'll fall as much as what we've seen in the Eurozone. We're still at 6.7% here. I reckon it'll fall to around maybe about 5%, something like that. So I do see inflation falling, but maybe not quite as much as what we've seen in the Eurozone. And there's more reasons to be cheerful now. Supermarket prices have seem to have stabilised. Apparently turkey prices are going to be coming down. Fuel prices, to my shock, have gone down. There are plenty of places in Bradford now you can get a litre of fuel for less than £1.50. I don't know how that's possible with the what's going on in the Middle East, but hey-ho, I'm not complaining. Well, the oil price has fallen slightly, so that's the reason why. So it's, it, That's what I mean. You've been complaining about this notion of like greedflation when really all it is is it's the companies passing on and reducing the costs whenever the wholesale prices fall and rise well let's see if they still make their record profits they may not make as much profits because the price has fallen a bit so the margin profit is going to be lower but they might still make high profits because they're always a bit slower to pass on the reduced costs to consumers I'd be interested to see how many new millionaires and billionaires have been made in these last two or three years. I bet it's not many. In the last year or so, in the last two years, I reckon we may have actually lost uh, millionaires because the stock markets and uh, stuff, uh, which a lot of uh, millionaires have a lot of money tied into, have actually fallen. So I reckon we may have lost a few millionaires, but obviously once they start to rise again, then we gain millionaires. And um, let's be honest, I'm just looking at the S&P 500 now. Yeah, it's fallen a bit, but yeah, it has recovered quite a lot, somewhat. There probably is quite a lot of millionaires, to be honest. You may be right. So forgive me, but I'm not going to get on my knees and praise my oil-providing overlords too much just yet. I don't think you'd be very happy if there were lots of people making millions and billions out of people that are struggling. Well, I wouldn't be happy if they were making them out of people who were struggling, but I would be happy if there were lots and lots of millionaires and even a few billionaires. But right now, it just seems to be a very, very elite few. And it seems to be getting more and more insular and the gap between rich and poor is getting bigger and bigger. But there may be more millionaires than there used to be because obviously the population's rose and... Uh, but what it means to be a millionaire is not what it mean, meant to be a millionaire like 20 years ago because of inflation. Yeah, um, that's true. Pretty much anyone who owns property in London is a millionaire now. That's what I mean. So a millionaire doesn't necessarily mean that they're exactly rich, although they could move to the north and be rich if they want to be. And that's another thing, that huge, huge divide between the haves and the have-nots and people Mm. who don't appreciate what the position that they're in as well people who say oh life is so hard i can only shop at waitrose twice a week 
Yeah. Why would they be shopping at Retro's anyway if they were struggling? Exactly. That kind of wine just brings out the inverted snob in me far too much. Yeah, I think people that are rich, they, they don't realise what actually goes on with the poor. But then there are people that are paid by the government that are poor on benefits and they, they can have all the latest gadgets and um, have all the rent paid for and be able to eat out several times a week. For my household at the moment, and I'm not saying that we are particularly poor, we're definitely not, but going out for a McDonald's is a treat. We could go out for McDonald's maybe four or five times a year. And we are luckier than most. Is McDonald's actually a very nice meal, Ollie? This is like burgers and stuff, isn't it? You can make better meals at home than go to McDonald's. So, But I guess a lot of kids like McDonald's, let's be honest. But what I'm saying is some people, especially down in London, will spend on their regular supermarket meal deal what a restaurant meal would cost up here it all depends on which shop they shop at uh, which supermarket they shop at but i know that national supermarkets which have them in more than one location they have um i'm not sure if you're aware of this rule but they've got to stick to the same prices all across the country so that means that big stars like tesco alda Lidl, Morrisons, etc. They've all got to keep the prices the same across the country. It's the smaller stars that have the prices really expensive in London. I just think it's really important for people who have privilege and choice and flexibility in their lives financially to have some empathy for people who don't. Yeah, that's true. And um, one thing that I do want to mention, that doesn't include fuel because I've seen different Tesco's have different fuel prices at different stores. So I know that doesn't include pumps, but I know it includes groceries and stuff. But yeah, I can understand the reasons why that law is in place, though. It's to try and prevent inequality. To make sure that I'm saving money on my fuel, I have an app on my phone that tells me where I can get the cheapest fuel prices in my local area from. A lot of people... <laughs> can just go and get fuel wherever they like without having to think like that. Yeah, and I'll tell you which one's usually the cheapest. It's usually, probably Bradford's one of the cheapest places to get fuel, to be honest, from what I've seen. Bradford and Great Harton. Bradford and the supermarkets are usually the cheapest place. Yep, they are. And usually over the part of Bradford near where we are as well. Yeah, I usually don't have to go far for cheap fuel, fortunately. So I'm probably going to fill up my car ready for the week ahead because I bet the fuel prices will go up again very soon. Well, uh, from what I can see, the oil price has been falling in the past few days, so I think fuel might actually fall slightly in the coming days. Mm, might get out on a few trips over the Christmas period then, we'll see. But- like I say, you you can monitor it just like I do um, and you'll be able to see whether fuel's going to rise or fall because obviously there's always a lag between the adjusted prices. All you, need, all you need to do is look at the crude oil price and when that rises and falls, you know that uh, the price of your fuel's going to rise and fall. Well, thank you for that advice there, Adam. <laughs> That's going to help me decide when to go out and fill up the old Red Rio. For the rest of this week, I don't plan on going very far, though. I'm just going to be celebrating here locally with my family 
hoping that my daughter gets over a chicken pox and then I'm back to work on Monday. What about yourself? I'll be doing um usual park run, probably at Roberts or Lister, although we haven't decided and we, mm. we sometimes change our minds at last minute anyway. And I'll be going across to my mum's tomorrow afterwards. So that's the reason why I'm doing a park run over there. So. Well, we hope that whatever you are doing or did this weekend, you had a great one. Have a safe one. Enjoy Bonfire Night. If you're going to any protests, stay safe and be the change you want to see in the world. Thank you for listening to us for this last 45 minutes, hour or so. We appreciate it. Yeah, and be sure to share with your family and friends and get in touch at BreakTheNewsPod at gmail.com, I believe. Uh, That's that right. Yep, please educate us. Me and Adam um, always want to learn and get better. Definitely. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and it's a goodbye from me. And from me. Peace. Now it's a-